everybody. Welcome to another comic episode of My Mom Found. I am Mike Elberton, and who's with me tonight? Just Stefan JD. I was going to say that just after you did, but apparently, you know, that's that we don't communicate. Yeah. So, <laughs> I feel like, yep, just Stefan today. Here we go. <laughs> so, hey, I mean, it's kind of funny. The last time we did a Superman book, it was just me and you, and then we do another Superman book, and it's just me and you again. Yeah, wasn't, wasn't that our first one, too? <laughs> don't remind me. <laughs> oh, <gosh>. Yes. <laughs> We tried to cram five different trades into one episode. Yep. Uh, and now we're doing a whole episode about one annual. So, yep. Superman oh, Annual 11. Mm-hmm. Better known as the story of for the man who has everything. Yeah. That's, that's what it is, I guess. Yeah. So if anyone doesn't know who Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons are, you need to fix I that. <laughs> I honestly I don't. <laughs> All right, I'll explain this. <laughs> so basically, Alan Moore is the guy who wrote Watchmen, V for Vendetta, From Hell, and a whole smattering of other things, like Swamp Thing. That's how he got on with DC, I believe. I, th- I think that was his first project. And then... You might, you might. You're asking the wrong the wrong audience. Yeah, and then he uh, hooked up with uh, Dave Gibbons, and, who was, I think think working on green lantern at the time and they got they actually got watchmen approved but while they were still developing it dave givens came over here to like he was asked by julius shorts to work on a superman story just for the annual and he's like sure <laughs> and then julius shorts said well you could pick any writer you want for it and he obviously said alan moore <laughs> And that's how the story came together. For those that don't read comics, such as myself, an annual would be something that is released annually. <laughs> but it's, it's usually a side story that has nothing to do with anything going on in the current run or current story arc. It's just a random story that somehow fits into what's happening. Usually, yeah. And it's a, it's a lot longer, too. Yeah, 48. I think this was 48 pages or something. Something like that, yeah. I mean, you could go grab the book and start counting, you know. I mean, that'd make great radio. <laughs> <laughs> no okay uh, so i had never read this book before i only knew of the story because of a supergirl episode from season one mm-hmm. i mean that was my first experience. i looked up the story afterwards i never read it until this episode but what it is is the very i'm going to talk about the supergirl episode and the basic for the supergirl episode from what i do remember she somehow gets i want to say it was this it's a gift kind of like this story and she opens the gift and it's a weird black looking flower thing that attaches it to her attaches itself to her and puts her in a coma and feeds her an illusion is what i mm-hmm. wanted to say Super episode was and you have martian manhunter and her sister that are trying to save her yep i don't remember a whole lot of it it's been a long ass time since i since i watched that show it's a lot to explain only in the fact that there's a long history between superman and mongrel mongol but it's this story kind of culminates into one of the best that they've had together because the original mongol could actually match superman's strength and if i remember correctly they did duke it out and superman won but i think he passed out right after the fight so there was there he's very strong is the thing and wonder woman's not as strong as superman nobody is really he's superman (laughs) well we should start off this comic starts off with a prologue which doesn't doesn't you have no idea what's going on all of a sudden you're put in this futuristic world with characters that you with a character you don't recognize as, as he's talking and then it doesn't take long before they're like kal-el and you're like wait a second that's the name of superman mm-hmm. and it starts when you like all of a sudden superman has two kids he has a wife he's on a planet that isn't earth they're talking about things that 
aren't familiar with us that don't make any sense. He's, on, to, you he's, know, like, on, he's on Krypton. He's on Krypton. <laughs> but you yeah. don't know that right away. You just are seeing words that don't make any sense. Like, oh, he's watching Nightwing saves Flamebird. What the hell is Nightwing doing here? I mean, it, you know, Nightwing, for those that don't know, is who Dick Grayson becomes. But it has nothing to do with, like, a TV show, and it doesn't make any sense. And why does why does this guy have a family? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Because for anyone who reads comics or knows Superman, Kal-El is Superman's re- real name. Mm-hmm. So it is Kryptonian name. Okay, that works. So it kind of throws you <laughs> off right in these first two page or first page in the prologue of this book. And it, it doesn't take I mean, they only do one page to kind of get you into the moment. But I remember when I first started reading, I was like, I mean, I knew the story already. So I knew where this was going. But I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah, he's. I guess he's working at the Institute of Geology, and he's studying some specimens at the Candor Crater. Like, it's just all this stuff that doesn't... Like, if if Krypton hadn't blown up, this is probably what he'd be doing. Superman would literally be a day jobber. <laughs> it's just <laughs> science-y. <laughs> oh, and I don't remember if we said, but this did come out in 1985. And there will be spoilers, yes. of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. You should know that by now. So One thing I, I do like that they did, yep. that Alan Moore wrote in there, is that he named Superman's son Van, and it's so weird, but I was like, if I ever become a parent and have a kid, I wanted to name him Van as well. So, I don't know. I just always thought that was cool. Can I ask why? <laughs> uh, just because I like the name of it. It's supposed to be like Dutch or something. I don't hey, know. Van, I was going, Van. Yeah, I was going through a book once, and I was just like, yeah, that's kind of a cool name. <laughs> You have a kid someday. Wait, yeah. And they, they listen to this episode. Like, what the fuck? You, that's why you named me? Like, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> but so I do like the way this, and then it doesn't take long when you start getting into the book, when it opens up with Wonder Woman and her invisible jet, which I don't really know anything about because I never read a Wonder Woman book yet. It's an invisible jet. <laughs> Is it? Because they make a comment here in this first, in the first, the first thing Batman says, he said, if I ever d- develop Batplane that responds to uh, thought control, I'll take you on a rematch. I didn't know her jet was thought, was mind control or thought, you know, thought control. I don't remember that either. I have actually only read two Wonder Woman comics in my whole life. <laughs> like, I really got to change that. Well, I, I know the perfect way to do it. And one thing I think is funny, they also like this is the first time Wonder Woman met Jason Todd, the second Robin. Things don't go too mm-hmm. good for him. Uh, but I think it's funny. Like, he looks so much like Dick. Well, yeah, because they drew him pretty much the same way. Same costume, same hair. Doesn't look that much different. It's literally carbon copy. Okay. <laughs> not just me, then, who never read Batman I, books. I know recently I watched an interview with Frank Miller, and he was on a panel stage with like Tom King and a bunch of other Batman writers, and they were trying to talk about Batman, and one of the things Frank Miller brought up is like, ah, you know, just have an army of Robins. He's like, why not? They're going to kill them all anyway. (laughs) I think that happens later, in a way. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it, it it's funny like you have that very very early part when she meets him she whispers something to him and then she's like come on let's go you guys are we're gonna freeze and he's like talking about freezing dressed like that because for those who don't know wonder woman wears a very skimpy costume at this time mm-hmm. which is her normal costume and then batman says think clean thoughts chum so stupid <laughs> robin's like i just killed my frozen boner <laughs> so dumb like I, I don't know i i don't really know jason todd too well i just know i know his ending <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I don't care for him he's he's basically like he was supposed to be the edgy robin who like didn't really listen to batman and he would like break people's bones for no reason and stuff you know he was uh he's a little bit more violent i would say that's okay. what it was. He had attitude and he was violent and nobody liked that because they like a nice, clean little boy wonder. So that he had to die. 
That's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, well, you have that. And for those that don't know, they end up walking into the Fortress of Solitude, which is in Antarctica. So everything's a little cold. Mm-hmm. And the Fortress of Solitude, of course, has a giant door with a key that only Superman can lift and put into it to unlock it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is stupid. <laughs> I forgot about that, but the door is open in this. So they just walk on in. Yeah, it's like that first hint of like, oh, the door's open. Like he was either expecting them. So he left it open or did somebody else already go in there? I mean, it makes more sense when you say that he's the only person that can unlock the door. Well, yeah, he left it open. They're coming like. I make sense to me now, like, well, no one else can be able to, Batman ain't lifting that key up into the door, so. Mm -hmm. But I, I was thinking of it originally, like, oh, someone's intruded, but what you just said, like, well, you know, it could have just been that. It's not. <laughs> yeah, so basically what they're doing there, why they're coming to visit Superman, is that they are, it's his birthday, and they all got presents for him. Well, I think, yeah, Batman has a present, he got a... It's not his birthday, it's, it's his not. first day first day first day like in the in the first in the first line of the prologue or not first line but in the prologue part that when he's in they call it his first day f-i-r-s-t happy first day because he's on krypton it's not birthday on krypton oh yeah i know i just took away where you're like what are you doing it's the same thing god damn it I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah so batman there. yeah so batman pays a horticulturist to breed a new strain of rose called the krypton and that's his present to Superman. I forget what Wonder Woman brings him, though. Um, a bottle, but she won't tell. She won't tell them what it is because he'll hear. He'll hear and ruin the surprise. Oh, yeah. That's super hearing. <laughs> yeah. You don't find out till later on what it is. But that's when they first walk in and they see Superman just standing still with a drop bath item below him. And his eyes, like he has like a look of just kind of looks like fear in my head. And he has this plant attached to him. Mm -hmm. It's right over his his insignia on his chest. Yeah, and the and the, it has like tentacles or vines, vines is the correct word, wrapped around his neck, wrapped around his arms, wrapped around his chest, carrying itself to him. And they even say it looks like it's growing into him through his costume. His costume made out of some kind of special material. I don't know. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> they make a comment about the about it being magic because for those that do know, only two things in her Superman are magic and crypt and kryptonite. Yep, that's true. And uh, I had to throw that little line in there. And Lois's cold shoulder. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was Lana's cold shoulder when I was watching all the Smallville episodes I've been up to lately. Oh, God. I've been watching all Smallville, but we'll talk about that a different day. Uh, <laughs> that show. And right away, like, Batman being Batman starts investigating. Like, oh, look, there's this jar. Well, he was open. Looks like someone gave him a present. Probably came through teleportation. His pupils mm -hmm. are dilated. So he can't hear us, but he's still breathing. Like, he starts being Batman immediately and yeah. realizes he's in a world of his very own. Yep. He's deducing it, being a detective, and they're trying to figure out what they should do about it. I mean, this thing really is kind of like, what's the best way to explain it? It's like a face hugger from Alien or something. It, like, attaches itself, <laughs> and I believe face. it even inserts something inside of his chest. Is what it is. Chase Tugger doesn't show you your wildest dreams. It, it shows you death. That's true. Well, I did have. <laughs> yes. I think. I think the first guy in the first Aliens movie did explain like, ah, oh, I had a horrible nightmare or something. But yeah. <laughs> and then it and then it kind of shows you as, as they're looking at him at Superman in his days. It shows Kal El wearing sunglasses, <laughs> look like an idiot, up staring <sighs> out 
losing time. And that's where they say, oh, um, why are you standing outside? They're, they all vanished five units ago. It turns out units are minutes because there's something they say later on that you can. They just took they took words and changed things around that fit the same to make it feel more spacey and sci-fi. Yeah, but I think the the thing we should also mention before we continue is that this comic book was made into a cartoon on the Justice League animated series by the same exact name for the man who oh, has what? everything. Yep. It's actually an episode. And uh, the glasses you're talking about that he wears in this, they do kind of look goofy now. I'm guessing back then it looked cool. But in the cartoon, they have these halos that they wear around their head instead of the glasses, which I kind of think is better <laughs> aesthetically. He has a Roomba, too, in one of the one of the panels in, his, in oh, the right. room. In the, <laughs> it looks like a Roomba, but Roomba wouldn't have been invented at this point. So, you know, it's a futuristic robot vacuum. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> so, and then you know, it has him standing there with his wife. He go and meet Jor-El, and Jor-El's a crabby old man, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's also funny, he's and this whole scientist community has rejected him because he said the world was going to end and it didn't 20 years ago. And that to me, that made me laugh. It's like, yeah, yes, it did. I think I think what it is that he's doing in the writing, though, is that he's hinting to Superman like Superman knows there's something wrong just by all these things that he's coming across. Like the world should have ended 20 years ago, you know, like he knows in his heart that it did. Like the plant can only do so much for the illusion. You know what I mean? There's. There's one part I didn't understand after he leaves talking to Jarrell and because Jarrell didn't come to his party because he said he was busy. Jarrell takes his stick and hits a tree and then starts crying Says really just a matter of putting the pieces together. And I didn't understand what happened in that scene. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Is that because I was thinking, is that like he, you know, other people in in this illusion were, were aware it's an illusion or was it Superman, Superman's conscious trying to fight back? I didn't really understand what they were trying to say. I think that's what it is, is trying to fight back because he says he says specifically, all right, so my theory was incorrect. I believed Krypton was doomed and I was wrong. Does that give them the right to push me aside and let society fall to pieces? You know, I hear they're campaigning to release the Phantom Zone criminals unreasonably (laughs) severely punishment. They call it. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a callback to the movies. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he's in the comics too, right? Not just the movies. Uh, of, of course, but I think at the time, like the Donner movies had come out or were coming out with uh, Christopher Reeve. Superman too. Yeah. So, yeah. Let me check when that came out. I'm curious now. Mm-hmm. 1980s, so six years or so before this before this comic book. The but Superman yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, so. Okay, that, that makes sense. I was wondering that too, because the only reason I know of the Phantom Zone is because of that movie. There's, I doubt I'm the only one. There's actually a bunch of Kryptonians, other ones too, that were placed in the Phantom Zone that come out later in other Superman comics that aren't just, what's his name? General Zod. General Zod, yeah. And his okay. band of, of friendlies. Um, Jaws, and I can't remember the other guy. I swear yeah. that guy is to play Jaws. And then the girl. I forget yeah. her name. Yeah. <laughs> and I do like as as there as and then it and then it, as it flips back, I like there's a there's a there's a line where Jason Todd's like, I guess the US mail doesn't reach this far when they're trying to figure out how the item got here. <laughs> and I like it. And then you hear the line coming from a different panel. They all turn around. They're like, well, how remarkable. You animals really are almost intelligent, aren't you? That's exactly what happened. Except for a few one or two minor details. And you and then that's when you first see Mongol, who is like a gigantic ogre. Let's kind of say how he looks. I mean, uh, not an ogre, I know, but he looks like a giant pink ogre with gloves and headphones on. He's he reminds me of um 
the one that the villain that Hulk fights all the time, the abomination. But he doesn't I, look he's not. I mean, he's not as like he, he looks like a human being, kind of, except for his eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> his muscle eyebrows and he's got a pink shirt that's like muscle tight and weird headphones on and looking thing. Eh. Yeah. Fun, uh, sure. fun fact about Mongol, too, is that because of his yellow skin, he actually was able to kill a bunch of Green Lanterns because their rings were ineffective against him. <laughs> okay, that's kind of cool. I, I don't it know is. much about Mongol. Like, I'm aware of War World. I'm aware that this character exists, but I haven't read this. is the first time I read a story with him. I do like it that it shows you in the story. This is the first time Batman and Wonder Woman have met Mongol. They had no idea who he is. Right. And you want to hear something really dumb? So Mongol <laughs> has kids. <laughs> and the son's name is Mongol too, and the girl's name is Mongal. <laughs> okay, that is dumb. <laughs> I, I, I didn't need that fact. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> that was too dumb for this podcast. I'm yeah. Sorry. All right. <laughs> and that's when Mongol explains to them that the plant is is creating this lot the situ the simulation for him and that of course the victims could shrug it off but they just don't want to because they're enjoying they're seeing their heart's desires and that's when they start realizing what this plant is doing to them mm -hmm. and he even has to like crouch down to like get face to face with batman and in <laughs> the cartoon wonder woman's about to like fight him which kind of happens in the comic too and batman like steps in front and he's like wait a second and he said something like, apparently the males on this planet have like more intelligence than the females, which of course is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but he wants to know how to get it off of him and what it is. And then that's when he explains that he's in his heart's desire. Like in here, it doesn't, I like the line with Mongo. He's like, I know, for example, that your society makes distinctions on a basis of gender and age. Perhaps then you could advise me which of you would be, would it be polite to kill first? Oh, like yeah. he, he acts all nice at first. He's like, I'm the new manager around here. And then all of a sudden he's like, they're like, wait a second. <laughs> it's great too, that it's like Wonder Woman doesn't even hesitate. She just walks up and punches him right in the jaw. Right in the face. Yep. And then she's like, ow, and then her hand is hurting because, it, you know, he's hard as hell, I guess. <laughs> and then he says, thank you. I think that's answered my question. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, he fucks her up in this book, too. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I don't read a lot of comics, but isn't Wonder Woman pretty damn powerful? I mean, she's powerful, but not like Superman levels. Like Superman's kind of like an Omega type. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. She's more I, like, I didn't, go ahead. I didn't really care for like when it goes, when it, it likes to jump back and forth. Like when it mm -hmm. jumped back to Kal-El being at the hospital, because then you find out that Kara had gotten injured and they got all beat up because, which I, I, I they, you know, they find their way to warp it in where you have these people who are rioting and Krypton because they want to release the Phantom Zone sort of prisoners. They're right. calling it torture and inhumane and stuff like that. And I thought that was kind of, you know, like you were saying, like you were saying before, they were working that Superman two thing, mm -hmm. and even shows Kara. And then one thing that's interesting is like because they're not on Earth, they don't have the red sun or not red sun. They don't have they're on the yellow sun. They don't have powers. They're just normal weak people. And they're right. You know, she's beat up, got broken bones, broken fingers, her face is all cut up. Like they fucked her up, and it kind of shows you how like the normal Supergirl is a very powerful character. So Superman, it's just I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, and I think it's great too that like Superman coming to Earth is what gave him his powers but on krypton like you said they are regular people although they do have kind of like space ag cars and buildings different architecture yeah I mean, it fits because it is supposed to be 
you know, the future type thing. And but you do got a bunch of weird looking monks in red hoods, and that remind me of something else carrying flaming swords. So, oh yeah, but <laughs> it's some funny stuff. Like they're like, is it a circus parade? And he doesn't. It has yeah, to do with one of the different political groups on Krypton that's right. That's kind of rioting or trying to. Yeah, they, they kind of look like a bishop or a pope from like the last crusades or something, how they would dress. Yeah. And then that's when you also see like where this says everything. And then it, the line just says everything's fine as one woman is going getting tossed through a wall and pretty much getting beat up by Mongol. And I like it when she grabs the gun and he's like uh, two of. OK. And his line is, oh, dear, is that a neural impactor? Do they still make those? I advise you to try the plasma director. It's smaller. More of a female's weapon. Her reply, <laughs> go to hell. Go to I hell. Like <laughs> it's awesome. great. Like, Mongol, this sets up Mongol to be just such a good villain if he was always written sarcastically this way. He's just so awesome. <laughs> and brutal. Oh, yeah. He he fucks. I mean, like, in the next scene, you see her smash. He's smashing her head against the wall because the gun didn't do anything. And they're realizing that they got to get Superman, you know, OK, or they're not going to be all right here. Because if he can take Wonder Woman, Batman stands no chance against him. Exactly. Neither this does Robin. Not... <laughs> <laughs> Robin don't stand, don't stand against a chance against Joker. So, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like and it keeps doing the same flash or not flashback but you know the, the jumping between between pages and you see that Jorel is one of it's a chairman now of this political group and he's sitting there shouting out the hate and bullshit and saying how he threatened that's and it's very interesting like he's still you know what had happened he's still saying like hey this planet should have died and it didn't and other people are you know not believing in him because it never yeah. happened yeah it's an interesting take. I mean, a very like political, which I don't know how the 80s worked. That wasn't really there. But I think it was an interesting take on what like to try to show a personal tension that would have been going on and how the plant and him were still fighting. Like he's he's not creating this perfect world. He's having a world that's fighting within itself. Right. The big thing about his dad, too, being a fraud is I think that he knows in his heart that that's not true. So there's something like off about that as well that he's sensing because he knows his dad is a smart human being and it's obviously depicted that way in the early Superman comics. So I think that's another thing that just clashes with him that he's not agreeing with. You know what I mean? I didn't see that, but I can, I can understand that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's... that makes more sense. Like when they, when they go to the crater in the next scene, is that crater that's from the comics, correct? There's something to do where it would make sense to a regular Superman reader. Yeah. Uh, in the, in the cartoon, it's a little different. Because they, this whole like political thing isn't going on. Obviously, they took that out because it'd probably be too much to explain in 29 minutes or 22, however long the episode is. 22, probably. Yeah. And um, what they're actually doing is they say, like, every time Mongol hits Wonder Woman in the cartoon in Superman's world when he's dreaming, he is experiencing tremors on Krypton. And they're explaining, oh, oh yeah. And he, they're explaining, like, oh, it's a. Uh, it's just demolition stuff or it's blah, I think blah, blah, I remember blah. this. So okay. it's it's a little different. And then and then on the flip side of that, they actually took direct lines out of this that says uh, when Batman's trying to wake up Clark, he's like, if we're lucky, that explosion mean, that means Diana's found the Hall of Weapons. We've got to concentrate on reviving Superman. Obviously, Robin's not there in the cartoon. It's just Batman and Superman. But he's telling Clark, he's like, please, Clark, wake up. He'll kill us all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I 
I want to say, isn't Candor the city that gets shrunk at one point? Is inside a bottle? Isn't that that's what can't? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what that crater was that they, and that's when he goes in the crater, and that's when he tells tells his son, he's like, I don't think you're real, man. And yeah. He's, he's realizing what's happening. I like it where in the real world, Batman sees him and he's crying. He sees Superman crying because in Superman's fantasy, he's realizing that his son, his daughter, none of it's real, none of it, and he has to snap out of this. I think that's really good. And then you have Batman pulling off the pulling off the plant and ends up getting himself grabbed by it instead. Robin's like, why don't we use these gauntlets? And Batman's like, forget the gauntlets. <laughs> we'll just pull this alien thing off. And yeah, I, I, it makes sense. Like when it when it jumps on Batman, it starts to show you a, a few different panels. And I it, it shows him walking down an alley with a little kid. And then he the guy shoots and he misses. Mm-hmm. And he's arrested, and Bruce never becomes Batman. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's no longer an orphan. And it, it's just funny how that, you know, when you think about Batman, how is that one thing that changed everything? You take out that one thing where his parents survive, and he's happy, and he ends up, he doesn't become Batman. Yeah. Which, of course, it, everybody knows, but. Again, yeah, it's just catering to his heart's desire, which, of course, Batman's one desire in the whole world is that his parents didn't die, of course. But yeah, I mean, go ahead. I do like it when Superman wakes up and gets the flower and then he's like, who did this to me? And then they, they just describe the guy. They don't know who he is. And as soon as they as soon as Jason Todd describes him, he's like Mongol. And then it has the whole Star Trek two type yelling where he's just screaming Mongol on the page. You can see the words like trying to bounce off the page. And Jason Todd is screaming and grabbing his ears. All yeah. <laughs> Like I like that, and then you have Superman dashing through a wall, and then you have Mongo. Like there's a line here. He says he hears a voice like Armageddon shouting his name, and he starts to turn. He knows he has perhaps less than half a second in which to defend himself, and he starts to reach towards his armor's weapon system, letting the un- unconscious woman crumple to the floor. But the rock of the far wall seems to ripple out toward a sudden cascade of power, and a 400 mile an hour wind slams into him like a steam hammer as big as the world. Like. And he knows that he is far too late. Like, I love that. How it just shows, like, each panel, it shows Jason Todd trying to take off the flower as Superman. It's just like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And at this whole time, like, Diana's already passed out. She's already, like, had the crap beat out of her. And he was, like, ready to do the last death throw. And Superman just blasts in there and takes him out real quick. <laughs> Yeah, and he's angry. He's like, what do you understand what you did to me? And it, at the same time, Jason Todd is putting the carrying the stupid flower and running around like an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like Jason Todd. <laughs> uh, but like watching Mongo and Superman just fight and they're just p- crashing through the Fortress of Solitude. There's a bunch of weird animals in cages, which I'm assuming is a reference that he has animals in cages for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's like um, Superman's zoo. Like he finds like like animals on his adventures or something. And sometimes they're endangered species. So he tries to keep them alive and stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. I never, I should read more Superman books someday. Yes. I don't <laughs> see that. But I, I do like the part when he uses his heat vision on him. He's just like, Oh, he's like, happy birthday, Kryptonian. I give you oblivion. He just like burn. I mean, that's it. And he just fries the hell out of him as they just keep fighting. And I like it when Mongo's like, you insufferable little speck, you hurt me. Which Mongo, I guess, is very hard to hurt. Like, he doesn't, he's very powerful, I want to say. Yeah, he's almost, like, invulnerable, I believe. Okay. Yeah, because Superman's going toe-to-toe to him, and 
I mean, he's fucking them up, but they're both fighting each other pretty good. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly enough, the cartoon actually kept that part in, like where he burns them with his eye, his his laser vision. It's like, bam. It's not the it's not the Spider Man cartoon where they don't have guns; they have laser cannons. You know? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Same thing. Yeah, thing. like Wolverine, base... he can't stab them. He's got to slash their guns instead. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's basically like a phaser gun set to stun. <laughs> Every time somebody gets hit, they're just like, "Ow!" <laughs> and I, I, as they keep fighting, I like the scene where he's just about to kill Mongol. Like he's he's ready to finish him. Well, that's how angry Mongol made him by giving him this this fantasy and then turning making it turn into nothing making it turn into you know a fake and mm-hmm. i like how it shows superman really letting go of who he is because anytime superman's fighting anyone he almost never lets go because he can't because he's always trying not to kill anybody like there's a famous line in the last episode of justice league unlimited when they fight dark side he's like you know what big guy i can actually let go because you can handle it and you just beat the shit out of him and mm-hmm. that line is always stuck with me because that's superman superman always holding back everything he does everyone he fights he's holding back his punches because he doesn't want to kill i like that in this scene he almost kills like they even say that he was about to kill mongo mongo realizes it and like he's like you hesitated now not a mistake that i'll make i assure you and then it's fucking jason todd that saves the day <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's standing above a hole where they're fighting he's like uh, uh excuse me but i think this is yours almost intelligent huh and he drops the flower plant and then attaches itself to Mongol or Black Mercy, we should call it. What is it? That's what it's called. Yeah, I was trying to remember. I knew it was Black something, but I couldn't remember. I just didn't <laughs> say it. Forgot. But I like how in one panel it shows the plant being attached to him, and in another panel it shows like it's splitting back and forth, where it shows Mongol knocking the plant over, frying Jason Todd, kill, ripping Superman's head off, putting on a pike. And at the same time, on the other side, it shows them the plants attached to him. And they're like, it's over. It's done. He's just, Mongol's just all, t- you know, done. Like, he's unconscious from the yeah. plant. He's like a statue, a frozen statue now, basically. But because his fantasy was to rule the world and kill Superman. So mm-hmm. uh, One of the things I should mention that didn't age well is that I actually own the comic book. The actual annual 11. Okay. And in, in one of the ads, it's a, it's got, you know, like stuff like self-defense, kung fu, karate, and muscles in seven days, question mark. One of the ads, it says, Bill Cosby, if you can't send you, send money. American Red Cross. <sighs> that didn't age well. No, it didn't. <laughs> he wouldn't be in a comic book anymore. Nope. Let's just walking dead. He'd be getting eaten by a zombie. Yep. So. <laughs> that's what they would do with him all right and then i and then finally that's when you and then after they got mongol and he's all he's out of it and superman like you know i'll drop him in that black hole that i pass. you know that black hole we pass on the way and jason's like no i can't say i've seen it which is kind of <laughs> funny because it's something that's so normal to him and probably i think wonder, well, wonder woman can fly but i just thought that was interesting and then she's like i got you something that and this whole time and she finally shows the gift she got which is a bottle of candor miniature wreck of the city or something and i like how what he does he, it's right before he says right before he grabs it he rushes into the room puts the same thing he has into the into a cabinet closes the cabinet rushes back and says just what i've always wanted <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday i thought Cal. that was kind of funny i mean yeah. it's just a very light moment after you have a very dark dark story where wonder woman almost gets killed superman almost gets killed i mean it's it's dark I'm a, I can't remember the cartoon episode, but I'm assuming it was dark, too. 
Yeah, for the cartoon episode, it was pretty dark. I mean, Superman literally, uh, it, unlike in this comic where they kind of have a duel, in the cartoon, Superman just literally lays out Mongol for the most part. <laughs> okay. And uh, it's it's a good it's one of my favorite episodes. And I'm glad that I found out it was a comic. And then when I did that, then obviously I had to go buy it. And you you remember me buying it, right, Mike? Yep, I do. That's one reason why it ended up on the show. Yep. <laughs> Oh, that's the reason it is on this show. And then it shows you the epilogue where it shows Mongo is taking over the world. He has his war world, which is think of the Death Star for those mm-hmm. that don't know. And the last line is he is content. And it's just, you know, it it's one. I mean, it always made me kind of think, like, what kind of prison would it be to live in your happiest world? But at the same time, it's it's not real. I mean, you don't know. But I mean, there's always going to be the sign that things aren't right in this world that People aren't what they should be. Things just don't make sense. And I always thought that was really an interesting idea. Yeah. I mean, the whole concept that that Alan Moore just created out of this, because I don't think the Black Mercy is in any other comics before this, is it? No, this is its first. I don't know only appearance, but it's definitely its first appearance. Yeah. So just the creation of that. I mean, I wonder what inspired it. Like, if it was something that was going on in his life because he was writing Superman or comics in general. I don't know. I've always been curious about that, though. I would just say being a writer, I mean, thinking of these ideas that just come into your that just come into your mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to be a writer and I, I, I mean, I remember right, have, carrying a little notebook with me and just all writing down ideas for short stories and things that I wanted to eventually do. Well, it didn't happen, but I remember doing <laughs> If uh, anyone was even cur- remotely curious, I really don't recommend going and buying them. But I actually have self-published a couple books. They're not great. <laughs> yeah. I've- I've gotten better at writing there. Yeah, but, you know, to each their own. <laughs> Your mileage may vary. <laughs> but, I mean, I was glad that when when I when I saw that you bought this book, I would thought this would be a perfect little, you know, short one to throw on to throw on here. And I was, it's a good story that I feel like is something definitely worth reading. If, if it interests you again, as we as we'll say with every comic episode, even though we tell you the story, we can still not express the art and everything else that comes with it. Dave Gibbons, like, oh, man. Like if you if you read Watchmen and you think that was great, this is just as good, if not better. I mean, he just every panel is like doesn't it's take perfect. Much. It's perfect. Doesn't take much to get better in Watchmen. He, I'm not a fan of Watchmen. So. It depends on if you're into political comics and blah blah blah. But yeah, I've only read it once. I wasn't in the best place, so that might have a lot to do with it. But I might read it again someday. Yeah, it's just like a deconstruction of the superhero. We'll talk about it one day on the show, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, the only reason why I even like had an interest in this book, as I said before, was that Supergirl episode, which is, again, I think it's something that's so interesting how comics, you know, movies, TV, like that whole that whole world now has expanded to so much and is able to grab and pull people in. And you're able to experience the medium or experience stories you never would have even thought about before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I agree. Again, all because that Super Bowl episode that you guys are listening to this episode right now. Otherwise, it, I would have been like, what the hell is that, Stefan? I don't know. I never heard of it. <laughs> we would not be talking about it right now. It's not going on the show. Slams hammer. <laughs> yes. We can do Case. some star books. <laughs> Court dismiss. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do you have any last things you want to say about the story? We just about um, wrap it up. No, just that uh, if you're even semi-interested, I mean, like Mike said, go read it. If you don't want to read the comic book, God forbid, you, reading is bad, then at least maybe support the animated series, rent that, watch it, something. I think it's not on Netflix anymore, I want to say, but it's probably on the DC streaming app if you have that. 
Yeah, yeah, DCUniverse.com. I think that's what it is. That show is amazing, by the way. So all four seasons of it, the two Justice League and two Justice League Unlimited are all really good. Yep. And Supergirl season one, if you are curious, is I don't remember the name of the episode because I don't have it pulled up in front of me. But it is I, on the first season and it is on Netflix. I think it's just the same thing as this, except for instead of the man who has everything, it's the girl who has everything. You know, you're probably right. <laughs> just, I just think so. I'm pretty sure I'm right. But yeah, I don't yeah, watch Supergirl. <laughs> Black Mercy. It's called Black Mercy. Oh, OK. It's on the first season. So if you're curious, if you kind of want to take a look, it's worth your it's worth your attention. Mm-hmm. And I think it's episode 12 of the first season. It looks like that's so, about right. Or episode 13. I don't know. I'm I'm looking at things that aren't giving me the best information. So I think we should move on to show for box. Yeah. And I'll go first. I mean, this one, I think is going to be a pretty easy one. It's going to go on the shelf. I enjoyed the story. I read it twice. I read it about two weeks ago when we were first going to do this episode. And then I read it again today when I had some time to kill. And it's a quick, it's a quick little story. You can read it in 10, 15 minutes. And it's interesting. It's, you don't need to know a lot about Superman. You can just read this one story and enjoy a good Superman story. Get to see Superman being Superman. And it's really good to go on the shelf. Something I'd definitely be recommending to other people. So yep. how about you, Stefan? Yeah, I'm going to put it on the shelf as well. I mean, a couple of things like stick out to me as part of the time, like Superman's spacey getup. I mean, I'm not saying Dave Gibbons did a terrible job on that. I think he did a phenomenal job with the art in the whole entire book. It's fucking amazing. But, um, you know, some things do stand out that it was written in the 80s, which is fine. Again, this is a Robin who's still wearing the like green underwear and his yeah. like pan shoes. Yeah. So it's not modern age in any way. Even Wonder Woman's still got her old get up on. Batman's got his 80s get up on. Superman still looks like Superman. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind Batman's outfit, though, in the 80s or Superman's outfit. Robin's I don't like because it's just too. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't like it. Yeah, it just looks like the one he first appeared in, which it had to be updated, you know, and it was. But yeah, it's just it's got things of its time. But other than that, I mean, Alan Moore, as everyone knows, is a phenomenal writer. He's never I don't think he's ever written a bad story that I've read. And I've read some of his Swamp Thing. I've read Watchmen. I've read all those other ones I named at the beginning. So I'm sure there's a bad story. <laughs> I It's possible, but I haven't read one. And so I, yeah, I'd put it on my shelf. I would definitely recommend this. Please, like, check it out. It's that good. So I say it's going on the shelf? Or did you already say that? I didn't. I did. It's going (laughs) on the shelf. I was going to say, like, I don't remember him saying that, but I know he did. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike, you're actually in a dream right now. You need to wake up. The Black Mercy's on you. I actually need to go to sleep tonight. (laughs) This is a dream, not a very good dream. (laughs) (laughs) Your heart's desire podcasting, Mike. (laughs) <laughs> making a living off it then it might be my heart's desire but <laughs> I'm not making a living off it <laughs> alright first want to give a quick shout out to our awesome intro and outro courtesy of Bobby aka Mike Stoney from his EP Bite the Bullet Song and School Skid Squad so definitely take a look at his YouTube channel there'll be a link in the show notes as always and also I hope you enjoy this complex episode we are going to be doing more we're probably going to start doing two a month I think it's coming up here soon I'm going to say it Hopefully. on here because if I say it on here it's probably going to happen so so mm-hmm. if you guys like these, please let other people know. Spread us. Let people, you know, the more people that listen to us, the more that we can grow, the more that we're going to do, and the more that we're going to get excited to do different things and try different ideas. So that's the way right now. The best way to support us is just download us and convince other people to download us and get to subscribe. And that will help us grow and help us do more for you guys and keep doing what we're 
falling in love with doing. Mm-hmm. I think that's about all, all I want to say. And we will start introducing what comics we're going to be reading in the next comic episode to kind of get you excited, but not yet because I don't really know when this is being published exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but we already have one other one in the bag. So yes, we're, we do. we're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will see you guys and hope you guys enjoy the rest of our, our regular episodes and we will see you next time. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's time for bed. <laughs> Bye. Bye. everybody.